Welcome to the Caris Christian Center podcast. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Luke 5. I'm going to start um, most of my message here in Luke 5. I'll have one verse before that, but um, I, I have a message um, just for tonight. Hopefully I can get it all done tonight. If it's not tonight, it'll be for tonight and, and next week, but I think I can do it all tonight. But I have a message that I've called, Nevertheless, at your word. And I'm super excited when I told Heather about this. I actually really worked hard on this message today. I went super deep. And uh, I'm going to share a little Greek here and there with you tonight. But uh, uh, I'm super excited. So I'm going to try to keep you all with me. You don't want to get lost because it's just packed with good stuff. I told you, I think this is my best message I've ever prepared. And we'll see what God does. But my first point is this. We're going to be talking about the Word of God. You know, as, as I spent a lot of time with my middle brother, Andrew, and got to you know, talk a lot to my youngest brother, Peter, who is in Miami, um, we all love God. We're all involved in church. We all serve in church. We have good families. And um, years ago, my, my dad did a series on parenting, and he asked the three of us um, to write down 10 things that, that um, my parents really instilled in us that we thought um, help, helped us be successful. And number one for all of us was a strong work ethic. But I, I kind of feel like, uh, I'm sure this is on there, but I think this is probably the number one list. And Heather and I were kind of talking about this as she got to spend some time with, you know, my brother Andrew, and she gets to know my brother Peter more. She said, really, what your parents did is taught you all to believe the word of God. And um, that's really the, at the centerpiece of our lives. So, so just going into this new year, just really prioritize the word of God. And I'm just going to talk about um, what, what the Word of God means, what it, um, like, like in two primary ways. In the New Testament, there, there are two Greek words used for Word of God. One is logos, and one is rhema. And they're both super powerful, and, and I'm just really excited to share some insight on it. So you may have heard a little bit of it, but I think, I think there'll be some fresh things for you tonight as well. Well, my first point for you tonight is this, prioritize the word of God like your life depends upon it because it does. It's a long statement. I'm going to say it again. Prioritize the word of God like your life depends upon it because it does. Jesus says this in Matthew 4, verse 4, when he's being tempted in the wilderness by the enemy. He says this in Matthew 4, verse 4, quoting from Deuteronomy. He, he answered, Satan and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every word here that, um, this, this is a great study to do, but, but look up whenever word of God is spoken and look at it if it's logos or if it's rhema. So here it is the word rhema, a rhema word of God. I'm going to give you a quick definition and I'll expound upon it throughout the, the, the night, but rhema it is an utterance. It is something that is spoken by the living voice as opposed to something that was spoken in the past. It can be a command. I added this definition to it. It's living. It's active. It's an authoritative proclamation, a declaration full of the power of God. All right, so let's go to Luke 5 now. So Jesus said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, a rhema, living, active, breathing word that, that's in the present tense, that's impacting your life, full of the power of God. Man lives by this. Prioritize the word of God like your life depends upon it because it does. Let's go to Luke 5 now. Luke 5, uh, starting in verse 1. 
It says, so it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. So why did the multitude press about him? I love seeing when multitudes gather around Jesus and to see why, why are, are multitudes coming to Jesus? Why are they? Sometimes they would gather to him because the, there was healing going on. How many of you are excited that Jesus is a healer? And he's also a preacher. He's also a teacher. And here it says there was a multitude pressing about him. Why? To hear the word of God. Hear this word um, used for the word of God is the logos. In Greek, it's the logos word of God. Logos, I'll give you a definition of logos. It is a doctrine, a teaching, sayings of God. It embodies a concept or an idea. In John, John had a, an especially profound revelation of this word logos. He, he, from John, we know that the, the word logos, it denotes the essential word of God. Jesus Christ himself, the word, logos made flesh, the personal wisdom and power in complete unity with God, being with him at creation, reigning for all eternity, um, which for the procurement of man's salvation, put on human nature in the person of Jesus the Messiah, the second person of the Godhead, the express image of the Father, and in him, in Christ Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The Logos, word of God. Dake, um, I, I, was, I was reading Dake's notes on Luke 5, verse 1, and he said, people gathering to hear the word of God. I love what he says about this. He says, this is always a sign of a true gospel revival, and when this is lacking in any church, the program is mainly human. When the Logos word of God, when, when strong biblical doctrine, when, 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 when scripture is lacking, it, it's just human. It's not, it's not really a move of God. John um, says this in John 1. Flip, uh, keep a finger there in Luke 5, but flip over to John 1. I want to read the first few verses of John 1 because his, his revelation of the Logos word of God is so powerful. He said, in the beginning was the word, the Logos. And the word, the Logos, was with God. And the word, the Logos, was God. All of the promises that's why Jesus could fulfill all the word of God. He fulfilled the law, the prophets, the writings, the histories. I, I love going to Israel. I've been, I love looking around. I love seeing the history because where you see the history, you see Jesus. I love the nation of Israel. I, I love, and, and um, we, we see that, that he was, it says the word, the logos was God. Let's go on to verse two, John one, verse two. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. So Jesus is the logos word of God. And um, my dad, I think he's going to tie into this a little bit, but, but he, he, as I was talking to him, he's in Miami, I was going over my notes with him and talking to him about this, and he says, this is so true. You have to have the Bible, you have to have scripture, you have to have strong doctrine, you have to preach it, you have to teach it, but also you have to have a fresh move of the Spirit at the same time. You need both things to be happening in, in church, in, in a ministry, in the body of Christ. You need to have the logos and the rhema. You have to have have the, the written word of God, and you have, you, have, you have to have a fresh move of the Holy Spirit. And, and Pentecost has not ceased. The church has not ceased. 
The church that began in Acts 2, it, ha- it did not end. The Holy Spirit that birthed the, the church in Acts 2 it is still alive and well today. So let's go back to Luke 5. It says there was a multitude pressing about him to hear the word, the logos of God. Paul tells Timothy, preach the word, preach the logos. To hear the word of God, and he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had st- stopped speaking, so he, people were there to hear the word of God. He, you know, he, we know that Jesus preached from Deuteronomy, preached from Isaiah, he preached doctrine, he preached parables, he, he preached logos. But here it said he stopped speaking and then he said, he stopped his discourse, he stopped his teaching, he stopped his preaching, and then he said something. He switched from logos now to rhema. A live, powerful command declaration that has the power of God to ship things dramatically. He stopped speaking, and he said, that's interesting, right? Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night, caught nothing, nevertheless at your... What do you think it is? Rhema. I just told you the answer beforehand. He stopped his logos and then rhema. Nevertheless, at your rhema, I will let down the net. It's kind of interesting in verse 5 when Simon is answering him, this really isn't a, a strong response, faith response, right? Master, we've toiled all night, caught nothing. Man, the, the, rhema, the rhema word thing, it's so full of God's grace. God's grace is so profound. You, you might think you wouldn't really preach that first part of what Simon said on, on a great faith response, right? Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. He's really looking at the circumstance, really looking at the situation, really looking at his own performance, his own ability, and, and he's just at the end of himself Simon just doesn't understand. I have, I have a great word for some people tonight, a great rhema word for some people tonight. You might not understand it, but it will still work for you. Even if you don't fully understand, but you know that it's a word from the Lord, if you believe it and you act upon it, it will work for you. Because the power is in the word itself. The grace of God, the, the favor of God, the, the power is in that word itself. And I'm going I'm to give you some logos teaching on that. But the power is in the word. It's not in, in you to perform it. The word will perform itself. You know, I, 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 a few months ago, I bought a new truck. And, and when I got it, I, I, I'd park places and sometimes I'd pull up next to a, a you know, here in Colorado, there's a lot of people with trucks. You know, for the first years of our marriage, we, we kind of mocked people with trucks. I'd say, that's just a dude with a beard and a truck. I had like a little song. 
because they just drive like they own the road, cut you off, and, and um, I'm now one of these dudes with not much of a beard but a truck. Well, when I first got this thing, I, I park, you know, I'd be at Walmart, and I'd be loading it up with some, some gravel, some manure, whatever, to do my yard work, and um, I, I'd be next to a guy who pulls up with his truck, and he asked me all these questions, like, how many liters, how many horsepower, how many, how's it towing? I, I don't know anything about it. And even though I don't have any understanding about how this thing works, I know that I can, I can trust it, I can believe in it, I can put my foot on the pedal, and I can own the road. <laughs> I, I, I love, I, I, I'm a knowledgeable, I, I seek understanding. I love, I love knowledge. I, I went to college for a long time because I love learning. I love knowledge. I desire understanding. I pray for wisdom and revelation. But even if you don't fully understand a promise, a rhema word of God, you can just act on it, believe it, and it will still work for you. Because that, that is how powerful that grace that is wrapped up in that word of God, it performs itself. Nevertheless, at your word, at your rhema, I will let down the net. And it says, and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Man, what an awesome picture of of God's grace. Working, toiling all night, just, just performance. It's all about me, what I can do, my ability, my strength, my understanding, my intellect, my skill, my whatever, my expertise, and sometimes it'll just be, be, amount to nothing. How many of you have ever had that feeling before? You've tried everything, you've done, but there's a word, God speaks to you. Maybe it's from a sermon, maybe it's from, and, and These kind of sermons I will speak to you, it's it's usually from a a Logos kind of church. If you don't have a good Logos church, you're not going to have much rhema. You're not going to have any rhema. Churches, preachers, believers, denominations that get away from the Logos, get away from the Bible, get away from Genesis to Revelation, get away from sound doctrine, sound teaching, get away from who Jesus really is, there's no rhema. There's no power, there's no breath, there's no life, there's no... So this is just a, just a super beautiful picture of God's grace. They had nothing. They, they were basically probably felt cursed. But they, they didn't even understand it. They just, they just acted upon what Jesus had said, acted upon his rhema, that life, living, declaration, command. They just did it. Nevertheless, at your word. That is the priority. Not what I've done, not what I think, not what I understand, but I'm just going to believe it. Nevertheless, at your word. And there is just abundant fulfillment, abundant grace, just breakthrough, anointing, complete provision, no lack. Just they, they carried all they could carry. And when that happened, their boats were sinking from all the fish. Verse 8, it said, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished. 
I love that. We, we, need, we need people to be astonished. We need people to be full of awe, full of wonder, astonished. Jesus wants us to be astonished. He, he, wants, he wants this to be your testimony at the end of this year. When people look at what God did in you, what God did through you, what he did in your emotions, what he did in your finances, what he did in your family, what he did, just look at something in your life and say, wow, only God could have done that. Only Jesus could have done that. Astonished at the catch of the fish which they had taken, and so also were James and John. They were all just astonished, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. So Jesus, he was preaching the Logos word of God. He gave a Rhema declaration, a Rhema command. And as preachers, we need to preach the word. I love what Paul writes to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, verse 2. Preach the word. Preach the logos. Be ready in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. If you get away from the logos word of God, from the written, from the inspired, from the infallible scripture, from the person of Jesus Christ, who he really is, then you will not hear, you will not experience the rhema word of God. And I really believe that every preacher, every church, every believer needs to be grounded in the logos, but also be continually hearing and experiencing the rhema, the living, the active, breathing, life-altering power of God. Amen? So number one, prioritize the word of God like your life depends upon it because it does. It's a little bit of a mouthful. Number two, God's word has the power to break through the impossibilities. So I just want to talk for a moment just about how powerful the word of God is. Just how supremely powerful the word of God is. You know, we sing a lot of songs about how powerful the name of Jesus is, and the name of Jesus is powerful. I love singing about the name of Jesus, and we have authority to use that name. We don't sing a lot of songs about the word of God. But Psalm 138 verse 2 says this, I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name. We need to praise the name of Jesus. We do that for your loving kindness and your truth. I find it interesting. Many times through scripture, Old Testament into New Testament, you see, you see this strong pairing of loving kindness, chesed. That's the Hebrew word, loving kindness. It's, it's, it's the same word as charis, as grace in the New Testament. Your grace, your loving kindness, and your truth. Grace and truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. That's a very profound statement. You have magnified your word above all your name. Someone can't say, I love Jesus, but I don't really trust the logos. Jesus is the logos. I love Jesus. I, I, I love his mercy. I love his kindness. I love his grace, but I don't. Truth is subjective. Going back to John's revelation of Logos, John 1.14, and the word, the Logos, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
So God here in Psalm 138, verse 2, it says he magnified his word even above his name. There is power in his word. There is no greater power than the word of God. And I'll tell you five reasons why there is no greater power than the word of God. Number one, God's word is eternal. Matthew 24, verse 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. God's word is eternal. Secondly, God's word is a creative force. Say a creative force. God spoke this universe into existence. I love what Romans 4, 17 says, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. God's word is a creative force. That's very profound. Point number three, why there's no greater power than the word of God. God's word is life. John 6, 63, Jesus said this, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Words that are not God's word, it's going to pass away. It's nothing. Words that come from man's idea. There's going to be a lot of stuff that passes away that's nothing, that's just of the flesh. That's just man's idea. It's the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. God's word is life. Fourth reason why God's word is the most powerful force ever. I love this. God's word is fire in your mouth. If it's not God's word, if it's not what he's spoken, if it's not his logos, if it's not his rhema, it's, it's, it's not much. There's not a whole lot to back it. But God's word in your mouth, say God's word in my mouth. It's not just what's in Pastor Aaron's mouth. It's his word in your mouth. It has to be personal. A rhema word has to be in your mouth. Nevertheless, at your word, I hear that, but at... Your word is now in my mouth. His word in my mouth. God's word in, say God's word. In my mouth is fire. God spoke that to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 5 verse 14. Behold, I will make my words in your mouth fire. It has to be in your mouth. Fifth reason. God's word is so powerful. It has the power to break through impossibilities. Let's go to Luke 1 starting in verse 26. How many of you love Christmas time? Maybe you're still celebrating Christmas. You still have the music going. You still have your tree up. You still have your lights up. I'm going to give you a little short Christmas message. This is super powerful. I love this. Two weeks ago, I, I had to finish my series on Grace on the Mount, so I didn't get to preach my Christmas message. So I'm going to give you a little taste of Christmas right now. Luke 1, verse 26, it says, Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice! Say, Rejoice! Rejoice. I love Christmas time because it's a time to rejoice. Highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled. Again, not like the greatest faith response. 
I'm a, there are three verses that talk about Mary's response. I'm going to highlight kind of each verse, but this is the first response. She's troubled. So here's this rhema word being spoken, a living, active, life-altering word, promise, miracle power. She's troubled at the saying, and considered. She doesn't even quite understand it. She's considering this thing. Why should I rejoice? Am I really favored? Am I really blessed? She considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. She was troubled before he even really got to the good stuff. You're going to bring forth a son and he shall his and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God and will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. I'm sure Gabriel was just so excited to shout this out. He'd been waiting for centuries, millennia. All of creation, everything created on earth, in, in, in the angelic realm, they're all just waiting for this moment, and he gets to be the one that delivers this message. And Mary said to the angel, her second response, not the greatest faith response, right? If I'm preaching a great message on faith, I want to tell you, like, how can this be? Since I do not know a man. Uh, I've seen several doctors, and I don't think this is possible. Verse 35. The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. I don't know if this really helped her understanding. Probably not. If she was already troubled, already confused, I don't know if this cleared it up a whole lot. If she's trying to understand the mechanics of this, I don't even quite understand the mechanics fully myself. My word for you tonight is you don't have to fully understand it. Simon Peter did not fully understand it. But nevertheless, at your word, Mary did not fully understand it. But her third response is very important. Verse 36, Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. That's a very important verse. Verse 37, With God, nothing. In the Greek, that word, nothing. It's a very important word in the Greek. It's actually two words, no rhema. For with God, no rhema will be impossible. What does this mean? That means that no promise of God, no declaration, no prophetic utterance is impossible with God. That means in rhema words, and these promises of God, these declarations from God, in these rhema words, God has placed the power within that word itself to perform and fulfill itself. 
All you have to do is believe it. You don't even have to understand it. You don't even have to have the right response necessarily. For with God, nothing, no rhema will be impossible. That rhema word has the power to break any impossibility. Verse 38, then Mary said, this is her third response now, behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. It's not about what I feel. I might feel troubled. I might feel anxious. I might feel concerned. It's not about about what I know, what I understand. This is the word of the Lord. This is the promise of God. I am a servant of the Lord most high. So be it to me according to your word. And it says, the angel departed from her. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And this is really interesting. I want to go a little further here. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary. Mary, who just latched onto a rhema word of God. It said the babe leaped in her room, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. I actually think from her response to what was happening, being filled with the Holy Spirit, I think it's like a pre-incarnate form of the day of Pentecost. Like there's pre-incarnate pictures of Christ throughout Scripture before Luke 1 and Luke 2. I think this is a pre-Pentecostal Pentecostal experience going on here. And I know why, because it says she spoke out with a loud voice. This sounds like a Pentecostal service going on here. Elizabeth's like, something's going on here. She's probably falling on the floor laughing. Ha, ha, ha. She's got a loud voice and said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Man, talk about a reason to be pro-life. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told to her from the Lord. Fulfillment. Nothing is impossible with God. No rhema, no promise, no declaration, no prophetic utterance is impossible with God. In those rhema words, God has placed the power within it to perform itself, to fulfill itself. There will be a fulfillment of those things which were told to her from the Lord. Your emotions don't matter. Your understanding doesn't matter. You have to believe it. God's word has the power to break through any impossibility. Last point for you tonight. Point number three, build your life upon the word of God. Upon which one? Logos? Rhema? Both. Both are 100% absolutely essential. I see my, my son has a friend here tonight, so I'll tell a little story about my son, Fisher. That just happened today. While I was preparing this message, and because this happened today, I'm going to incorporate this story into my message. 
And this is, this is a family night. We have a lot of kids here, a lot of youth nights. So I'm kind of speaking to a lot of parents tonight who kind of know at the end of a break, things can get a little tense, right? The kids have probably been on technology too much, too much tablet, too much games, too much whatever. You're ready for them to get back into their routine, whatever that may be. And um, we're, we're excited that school is tomorrow. It's a great holiday in the Purdue house. <laughs> I love my 10-year-old son. He's, he's the best 10-year-old kid in the world next to some of these other 10-year-old kids and all of your kids who are also the greatest kids. But um, the last few days, we noticed a little habit. Whenever we tell Fisher to do something, he, he'll, he'll always have to say something negative, complain something as he walks off. And I'm trying to be calm. Let the Holy Spirit guide me in my fatherhood, but uh, it's, it's a little bit of a trigger for me. Uh, but, but anyways, I, Heather was with me last night, and I like, told him to do, like, brush your teeth, take a shower. He's like, I don't want to do that, and just like, walked off. And I said, come back here. Let's try this again. When we tell you to do something, you just say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, and don't say anything in response. I said, you know, Fisher, what are you going to do right now? He said, what do you mean? I'm like, I, tell me exactly what you're going to do. He's like, I'm going to brush my teeth. I want to come away. And then he walks off. He said, you've told me a thousand times. And I said, Fisher, what did I just tell you? Anyways, something similar happened today, and Heather was there to witness it. So I, I said, you know, we're, we're done. Fisher, you are now living in an Amish paradise. <laughs> he likes Weird Al songs. He knew what I was talking about. No technology, anything, anything that has a cord connected to it, has gone. You're now Amish, and, and I'm giving you a Logos assignment. If you ever want to come back you know, from your Amish paradise, you have to do what I'm telling you. I said, go read the book of Philippians, all four chapters, and you were to give me a summary, a report, one paragraph summarized, one paragraph how it applies to you. I wanted to see if he got any rhema from this Logos assignment. So he's gone for about an hour. I'm still working on my message and you know, typing up this story. And I'm going to see how I finish my story and just, you know, he comes back. He has a summary, but he doesn't really want to do how this applies. He was fine with the logos, but I, I, I told him, Fisher, I'm going to give you a how this applies. I'm going to give you the rhema word for you. And this is it. You are to rejoice in the Lord always. Whenever I tell you to do something, you are to rejoice. If you're playing Nintendo, you can rejoice, but if I told you to pick up dog poop, you are going to rejoice. That is your rhema word, and you are to write it down and think about it, and that is the declaration from the Lord, the prophetic Break the impossible barriers of preteen attitudes, and you might not like it, like it, but you need to so be it unto me. I am your servant. I receive this word with meekness, the engrafted word of God, and I'm going to exit this Amish paradise someday when the word has its full impact and it bears fruit. We need the Logos word of God. We need the Rhema word of God. Romans 10, verse 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Which one do you think that is? Hearing a continual, not just having heard, but a hearing. Hear and keep hearing. This would be Rhema. 
and it is rhema in the original Greek. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema of God. For your faith to work, you have to keep hearing. You hear and you keep hearing. It's an ongoing thing. Faith is an ongoing thing. Someone may ask, why can't I hear God's voice? It's hard for me to really hear God's voice. God is speaking. Maybe it's because you're not really hearing. Maybe it's because he spoke and you haven't reached the point of, nevertheless, at your word. Maybe I don't feel it. Maybe I don't understand it. But nevertheless, at your word. Maybe you haven't reached a certain point of, behold, the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Listen to his voice. You're going to have to tune out other voices. There's only one voice that really matters. There are lots of voices in the world today. Maybe stop listening to the news, stop listening to complaints, stop listening to whisperers, stop listening to murmurers, stop listening to lies. Maybe spend more time in the logos. Maybe get involved and be faithful at a good logos-believing, logos-preaching church. Maybe then you'll start to hear the rhema. We need rhema. We need logos. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture. This is talking about logos, right? All scripture. Genesis to Revelation. All scripture. All logos. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Say inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. There's a lot of believers today that think they, they don't need correction, that think they kind of know everything, that, that think they don't really need instruction, that think they don't need direction. If that's you, you won't be profitable. You won't produce much fruit. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That word inspiration in the Greek, it's not just one word. Inspiration is actually two words. It's a combination of the word theos, which is God, like a theocracy. Theos and pneuma. Pneuma is, is the spirit. It's breath. It's, it's, it's life. It's the wind. All scripture is God-breathed. Two important things that God breathed his life into. He breathed his life into scripture. My words are spirit, they are life. All scripture is given by the inspiration. It is God breathed. God also breathed his life into mankind. When he made Adam, something was different about Adam from all the rest of creation. God breathed into Adam. The God breath is in mankind. The spirit is, is, is within mankind. There's something that God imprinted his image on inside of us. The image of God, it's not just what hair color you have or your eyes or your feet. Or The image of God is his spirit that was imprinted inside of us. This, this, this yearning for eternity. And even atheists have this image imprinted in them. No one likes death. death. Everything you see here on this earth will pass away. So logically, it should not bother anyone, especially atheists. 
But any, any person who doesn't even believe in God, that they're, they're, they're understanding their mind, whatever, is just so broken, they still have this image imprinted in them, and they still long for the spirit. They still long for eternity. And when someone close to them passes away, it, it, it breaks them. It's because we, we aren't created to, to die. We're created to be with God for eternity. So God breathed his life into scripture. He breathed his life into us. When the God breath of scripture connects with the God breath inside of you, inside of your spirit, that's what happened with Simon Peter. The word that was spoken connected with his spirit, connected with his heart. It it, it bypassed his lack of understanding, his ability, his performance, his emotions, and it connected with his spirit. Mary, the same thing happened. The, the God breath, the, the word of God, the Raymond word connected with her spirit. And she said, behold, the, the maid servant of your Lord, so be it to me according to your word. When, when the word of God connects with the, the spirit inside of you, it's the most powerful force in the universe. It's more powerful than a nuclear bomb going off. How, how, how does a nuclear bomb work? There has to be enough radioactive matter, material, to, to make a, a nuclear chain reaction happen. There has to be enough mass. It's called a critical mass. So the way a nuclear bomb works, and a, what, the way a nuclear reaction works is that there is more than half of this critical mass in one compartment and more than half of this critical mass in the other compartment. But, but there's not enough critical, critical mass here for it to go off. There's not enough critical mass for here to go off. But something detonates the separation between the two. And then suddenly there is a critical mass. And it's the most powerful force. God has placed placed his breath, his life, his power in his word. He's placed that within us. And when that critical mass happens, breakthrough Breakthrough, miracle, the, the, it, it comes to life. Power is released. My last scripture for, for you tonight is from Proverbs 4, verse 20 through 22. I, I, love, I love these scriptures here. Keep paying attention to the word of God. Keep paying attention to the logos, to the rhema. Keep paying, and, and Rhema will come to you as you're spending time in the Logos. You know, just this past Sunday, I, I um, gave an altar call like a, after second service, a really strong one for the back is the Holy Spirit. A woman who's been coming here for a few years, she, in her 80s, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And I told her, hey, you got to try something. As you study the Logos, I know she loves Logos study. She loves doctrine. She loves teaching. That's what, that's what drew her to this church. I said, pray in tongues for five minutes before you, you spend time, and it's amazing what God will speak to you, what raiment will come to you from the Logos. We need, we, need, we need the Bible. We need Scripture. We need the Word of God, but we need, we need the Spirit of God as well. Proverbs 4, verse 20, my son, give attention to my words. What words? The logos, the rhema. Incline your ear to my sayings. 
Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. So I was thinking about this, paying attention to my words. I was thinking of, of being like a rancher. I know we have a few ranchers and a few ranchers' daughters and a few ranchers' sons here. On the ranch, you have to continually tend to your livestock. Attend to my words. You have to continually tend to your livestock. You have to continually tend to the word of God. You have to continually water your livestock. You have to continually give them food. You have to continually make sure wolves don't come and get a snack. The great powers of Colorado have released wolves into Colorado, and they're already eating people's livestock. Who would have thought? They got them from wolf packs in Oregon that have been traced to eat people's livestock in Oregon. What do you think they're going to do when they come to Colorado? Oh, they're going to thin out the elk herds. They're going to thin out all the mule deer. No, they're going to go for Farmer Bob, Farmer Herbs, Cow, Farmer Jim's. But these ranchers, they know how to tend to their livestock. I'm not going to let the wolf come get a snack in my life. When God speaks to me from his logos, when I know the logos, when God speaks to me a rhema word, I'm not going to let the enemy steal it. I'm not going to let the enemy kill it. I'm not going to let the enemy destroy it. I'm going to hold on to the word of God for dear life because my life depends upon it. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but Jesus came to give us life and life more abundant. Jesus is the logos word of God. He gives life in complete, abundant life. So my conclusion is this. I'm going to build my life upon the word of God. His word has the power to break through the impossibilities. For with God, nothing is impossible. No thing, no rhema is impossible. And lastly, I'm going to prioritize the word of God and hold on to it like my life depends upon it, because it does. Amen? Thank you for listening to the Caris Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.